1: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slaying the Sail with Kyle Slaymaker. I am your host, and this is a special one, uh, and for reasons that you're about to see. So I am going to do my absolute best at not only introducing our guest, but also explaining why this is a very special episode to me. So first and foremost, you guys know my military background. I very, very proudly served in the United States Navy on board the USS Cape St. George in support of operations Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom. I was an operations specialist. I got in when I was 18. Wanted to go into the special warfare community, uh, but being of the mindset that I was in at that time and having a lot of growing to do, that didn't work out. So the closest I came was my division officer and my operations officer offering me a diver contract if I stayed in. Uh, I did not want to stay in. At that point, I wanted to come home. So here I am. Uh, But listen... The toughest men on this planet, bar none, are the Navy SEALs. Right. So the Naval Special Warfare community has search and rescue swimmer. If you want to describe the search and rescue swimmer as part of this part of the spec war community, uh, they have EOD, explosive ordnance disposal. They have the divers. They have the SWIC, special warfare combatant craft, and then they have the elite of the elite, the Navy SEALs. We go back. Yeah, we, <laughs> they go back all the way to World War II, the Frogmen of the Vietnam era, everything. You know, there's the, the UDTs were in World War II, Kennedy commissioned them as SEALs, and everything went from there. So you guys know them as literally the best of the best, and I am very, very proud and honored to have one one of the best of those best, and that is former senior chief William Branham, who is a 26-year veteran of the SEALs, both in the team's, Did some USW work, undersea warfare work, which I'm sure we're going to get into. Uh, Was an instructor at the SEAL Sniper School and just an all-around badass. So when it comes to the toughest of the tough, the biggest of the big that I can get on this podcast, we have somebody that is more mentally and physically tough than anybody I have ever had on and anybody that I probably will have on. So much so that when he got out, instead of just continuing down the contractor route or doing his own thing, which he did his own thing, but he realized that he was suffering from a lot of stuff, whether it's PTSD, whether it's from mental exhaustion, all that other stuff, he found the benefits of CBD. And it was so life-changing that he decided to start the naked warrior recovery, which you see behind him in the NW recovery back uh, board behind him right above his trident and his anchor back there that I see. Um, And that's kind of what he does. Like that's, that's huge. So I hope that, Senior, I gave you a good enough intro. If not, tell the people about yourself. What did we miss?
0: I, I, think, the, I think maybe you overstated some stuff like <laughs> about being uh, mentally and physically tough. I think I'm just regular, <laughs> regular tough. I
1: love it. I love it. So first off, obviously, you know, you and I share that connection of being in the Navy, both being sailors. Um, thank you for being on. This is something yeah, that for I'm
0: sure.
1: looking forward to so much. So and full disclosure for our guests, we tried recording this a week prior uh, <laughs> and then like just as things were getting good, which was like two minutes in, um, the power went out and we had to reschedule for today. So I'm glad we uh, we could make this happen. So let's kind of get those those prerequisite questions that like literally everybody that listens to this is going to want to know, like, let's get all that that cliche stuff out of the way because you wore the trident you're part of the spec war community everybody wants to know about buds everybody wants to know about your time in the teams your usw stuff and then i really want to focus on the work that you're doing now because as amazing as a career that you have had what you're doing now is just as if not more impressive so walk us through your career right so i mean i assume you you did your buds training in coronado or were you still down in like jacksonville at that time
0: no it's all it's all in coronado it's been in coronado for a long time now um but uh let's see so so i joined the navy i actually joined in the delayed entry program uh i i grew up in a little town outside of uh, meridian mississippi Uh, i was heavily involved in the boy scouts i uh let's see what else i went to the national jamboree i was super poor like i was a like poor kid we didn't have money for much but uh my dad was retirement my his disability uh some other things but we didn't have very much money and uh you know so my grandparents helped out a lot they were you know involved in the church and you know helped me get into the boy scouts the boy scouts uh actually paid for me to go to this national jamboree where which is where i found out about what a navy seal was i didn't even know what a navy SEAL was i always knew i wanted to be part of some sort of um, sort of small elite military organization, but I knew I didn't want to be part of like the big green machine of the army. I wanted to be part of something small and elite, something moving that would move really quickly. And so um, I met this kid. He was like, yeah, I want to be a F-14 Tomcat pilot and I want to be a Navy SEAL. And I'm like, what's a Navy SEAL? And he told me, and I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. And so I came back from that you know, national jamboree First of all, I swore I would never join the Navy, and then the Navy recruiter called me, and he was like, hey, man, have you ever thought about joining the Navy? And I was like, well, I was thinking about being a Navy SEAL and an F-14 Tomcat pilot. He's like, check, why don't you just come on down here to the recruiting office, and let's uh, have a little conversation. So he showed me this video about it was really bad. But these guys jumping out of an airplane, you know, they took a Zodiac into the beach and then they were like hiding out and like in the rocks, like with their binoculars. And the next scene, they're like running through this building, putting demolitions and then running out and like really bad CGI where it blew up. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, man, where do I sign? And so I, you know, I basically joined the Navy the summer between my 11th and 12th grade of high school. So basically I joined the Navy uh, before I graduated high school in the delayed entry program. I graduated high school and off to boot camp I went. I went to boot camp, but I failed a screening test when I got there. And then I was a gunner's mate and I was like, I'll take it, you know, again, no big deal. Working out every day, plenty strong, could easily do it, but I didn't like getting up early in the morning. Chicago, man, it's like north of Chicago in the wintertime. No one likes that. It's cold, it's dark, it's scary, it's miserable. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And so I graduated that, like I came to the end of that, you know, gunner's mate school, which is like six months long. And I was high enough in the class, I took another set of orders to be a VLS tech, which I had zero intention of going and doing that job. But I went to, you know, those are, for those who don't know, it's the missile launcher for Tomahawk missiles on on, you know those big gray things that float out there in the water. And so I was like, I'll go to that school, I'll get in better shape and then I'll go to to SEAL training. Well, what I didn't know is I had 24 months of obligated service to a ship in Yokosuka, Japan, because I took those orders. So no matter like how well I did, you know, passing the, the steel screening test, they're like, sorry, bro, you can't go. You have to go do, do this thing, you know, in the Navy. I'm like, well, what if I fail out of the school? They were like, you're still going to that ship in Yokosuka, Japan. So I went to Japan, I spent my time on the ship. And then when it came time for me to call my detailer and say, hey, I wanna go to, to Bud's, he was like, sorry, bro, uh, you're too critical to the Navy. You know that, that school that you went to? that job that you have right now, that Navy en- enlisted code that you have attached to your name, that makes you more critical to the Navy, in my opinion, as the detailer, than the SEAL teams. This of course was pre 9-11, um, so he would not let me go. So I you know, went to other people and got letters of recommendation and all this other stuff, and uh, eventually, um, everyone said no. I mean, everyone said yes, but my detailer still said no. The steel detailers are like, "Sorry, bro, your detailer has to release you." So then the the CNO came to my ship, the Chief of Naval Operations, the most senior guy in the Navy. And for everyone that's listening that has no idea about the military, the CNO, the Chief of Naval Operations, and I saw your face when I said that. He is the most senior guy in the in the Navy. There's no one more senior to him. There's the Secretary of Defense and the President of the United States. Those are the only people that are more senior than the, than the Chief of Naval Operations for the Navy. And so he came, first he came to the, like the base and he had kind of like CNO's call for the base, but then he came to my ship. He didn't go to any other ship in Yokosuka, Japan. He came to my little ship in Japan and had CNO's call. And he said, hey, this is you know my vision of the Navy. This is what I think, this is how we're gonna do stuff. Um, this is the, the future. Does anyone have any questions? And I raised my hand. I'm like, yeah, I got one. I got it over here. GMM three Branham right here. Uh, yeah. What do you got? I'm like, yeah, I joined the Navy to be a Navy SEAL. My detailer won't let me go. I think I deserve a chance to go, but he won't let me. He says I'm too critical. What do you think? And so he turns to my commanding officer and he was like, Hey, is he a good guy? And my CEO was like, yeah, fortunately I told my CEO I was going to do this. And he's like, yeah, he was a sailor of the quarter this quarter, which is like employee of the month because I did a good job sweeping the floors or something. And uh, and then um, he turns back to me and he says, check, you'll be in the first class after your PRD, which is planned rotational date. Uh, After that, the master chief petty officer of the Navy came down and took my name and social and uh, and said, you know, the easy part's over. I tried it. It wasn't for me. Like, go get them. And so six weeks later, I was off to uh, California to start SEAL training. That's how I got there. So that's the beginning.
1: This 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 podcast is gonna go totally off the rails. Like like I had to mute my microphone because I'm howling during this entire story. You and I can relate so much. And it's it's interesting because so you talked about, you know, going to Great Lakes in the dead of winter. Right. I got to I got to boot camp December sixth. December fifth, right? So it was the dead of winter. I mean, the Ugh. dead of winter. They, they were talking about not even having us run battle stations. It was so damn cold out there. So, and of course, we did it. I mean, think we were like the last like, year or two before the Navy was just like, all right, we're not doing battle stations anymore. Um, but it, it, it's so funny because like I had the exact same experience. So I, I wanted to be a SEAL. I wanted to be a SEAL, like I said, as, as you know bad as anything. Uh, and the dive motivators came to, to Great Lakes. And it was. I'm trying to think of when it could have been more than the first week or two, and they put a soul in a room. The dive motivators were there for dive EOD and SEAL. Swick wasn't there, and the guy that came, that was allowing people in dive motivators was this. And for anybody that and I'm going to sound really bad for what I say, but for anybody that's in the Navy, if you've met anybody that's been in the Seals long enough, you've met somebody that is probably a legitimately gigantic Filipino man, and he was just standing up there with this huge barrel chest and everyone was just terrified to go up to him. And it was just like, I want to be a seal. And you just look at your, your orders and look at everything. And you go yes or no. Right. <laughs> That's all he would say. So I walk up, I gave him my name and he goes, no. I'm like, all right, well, that, that ends that. Um, but it was so interesting because like, it's it's so you're right. Like the dive motivators, they had to get up so early and I kept, I kept in touch with a lot of people that went into the teams. I made friends with a guy at a, so when I went to a school, I went from great lakes to Damneck neck before they shut Damneck neck down. And then little Creek was just, I mean, maybe a half mile to two miles away. So okay. I would do a lot of stuff over at little Creek and we'd run into, I mean, that's where team six was. That's where a lot of the teams were. So it was just like looking up to these guys that just had this, you know, I mean, amazing career to what we considered and you know i got into the fleet though but that's all that she wrote for me i had a blast in the fleet i i loved it and it's it's funny because you mentioned the cno and the mick because uh a good friend of mine he's still in he's a senior chief now and there you probably saw it there was a a meme floating around in the navy groups about this guy that the the cno came to his ship and the cno was walking by shaking hands and the cno actually adjusted his ribbon rack and somebody just happened to snap a picture of the CNO adjusting this E1's ribbon rack. And the E1 is just like petrified, like, oh, shit. I'm never going to hear the end of this. That sailor was actually my buddy's, like, most junior sailor. I, I never let him live it down. I was like, how do you feel knowing that you're such a good senior chief that uh, your E1 had to be adjusted by the CNO?" It's awesome. Oh, I love it. All right. So before we go down into the route of the many tangents that we're destined to go down, um. Where all you go? So just really,
0: really quickly on that, on on uh, on on Dam Neck and and Little Creek and and all that other stuff. So, Dam Neck is actually the base that I like the the C school that I went to, and I remember you know OSA school was there, and we thought we were so cool because we had didn't have to march, and you guys had to march and sing and all that other stuff, and we just like casually walked you know to the galley, casually walked to, uh you know to the 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 building where where the school was. That's but, all that was there. Um,
1: it, it was either yeah. it was either the teams or it was OSA school.
0: Right. And there was a team. There, there was a team on Dam Neck. And uh, I don't remember what the number was, but it's somewhere between five and seven, I think. Not 100% sure, but it's somewhere between five and seven. Um, and then, you know, the other teams are down at, at Little Creek, which is where I spent most of my career.
1: Yeah, I, I remember. I'll never forget uh once i got to the ship so the the cape saint george was stationed in virginia and then uh, you know I, I filled out my dream sheet in a school right and they're like pick your top 3 places you want to go i was like japan greece italy this is going to be great they're like all right dickhead enjoy norfolk so <laughs> that was my first like like real true like oh this is what this is going to be like um but i was like all right cool <laughs> it's going to be terrible <laughs> be- yeah, yeah and it was the armpit of the navy so i was like all right at least i can be home you know, being in Pennsylvania, I could be home every weekend that I didn't have duty. Um, but a buddy of mine, would, we'd always go over to to the base and we ended up getting lost. And I, I'm pretty sure it was damn neck. And we just wandered into a building and it was one of the teams, probably the team between five and seven. And like, they're doing exercise and we had no, we just ended up wandering into a building because we thought we were in the right place. And they had like a net above the pool that they're rappelling down from. And I was like, uh, I don't think we're in the right place. And that—that
0: and, uh, was that was that was at Little Creek. That was at yeah. Little Creek, and I, that was the pool. Yeah, yeah. I knew exactly the the water oak course. Yeah, <laughs> lots of fun. So, so and look- then my guys one time like changed it. It used to be fun to do, and then it, they made it like even harder. Like you know, instead of like rings to cross, they were like, "Oh, we'll put baseballs there instead." We need to make your your arm stronger. Well, you've been in the water like six times. You like you know swing from like the 12 foot tower to this cargo net that's hanging down. You climb up the cargo net, you go across a fast rope that's up in the rafters and then you slide down the fast rope and then, then you drop, you know, 15 feet to the water. And then you swim over to the next like caving ladder. You go up, you do across, you know, other, you know, steel beam stuff and drop down and then swim over here and then go up and across. And then eventually it was like, used to be like some zip lines and like fun stuff. Like you work hard and then you're like, woo! I can like take a break my guys went in there and they were like, no, we're going to change this and this and make it harder. I'm like, you guys suck. You took all the fun out of it.
1: <laughs> for, for those of you that are listening along, like you're listening to senior story. And then to give you an idea of the level that I was at, uh, I usually looked at a radar screen. And if uh, we were still on board in port before colors hit, uh, we were working a long day. So, so there's definitely a big difference. Um, so, you know, we, we know you started Naked Warrior we know that you have a very long and storied career and, you know, you and I can kind of have that respect of the stuff we can and can't talk about the stuff that we're okay talking about. Um, How did you end up as a SEAL sniper instructor? Like where, like walk me through the progression of your time in the team. It
0: it was kind of by accident, but uh, I, I definitely wanted to be a sniper like from much day one i was a pretty good shot i I couldn't shoot a pistol that well i had to you know a a buddy of mine actually taught me how to shoot a pistol pretty well and then in third phase we started you know shooting pistols and i was still okay i'm way better now but that was just time and repetition and whatever bad habits um but that was a pretty good rifle shot and uh i did my first platoon and guys were like yeah you should go to sniper school and then the opportunity arose and they're like hey do you want to go and I I I said yes before they, they even finished the sentence yes uh there's a billet open for sniper yeah can I I would like to go can I put throw my name in the hat right freefall school yeah whatever and so um and so I went there and um graduated came back to the team did another deployment uh then it came time to my my wife at the time did not want me to deploy again and so the, so I was like, all right, so, hey, hey team, what other options do you have? They're like, we need to send someone to, to teach at sniper school because back then the teams supplied the instructors. So you would go as like a student instructor, you're still belonging to the team, but you're, you know, you work for the sniper school. And so um there was one guy that like, the guy that started the school from from the ground up, at least on the East coast, he, you know, he was running it and he was the only person that was assigned to the headquarters. And so we would get guys from the teams, and that was their like their like basically their their workup and deployment was, you know, get ready for sniper school, go to sniper school. And, and let me tell you, as a, an instructor, it's almost as hard and taxing as being a student. You know, I thought being a student was equivalent to as, you know, how hard Buds was. Not because you're, you know, they're punishing you, but because they're like long hours. You're up at five, you work out at 5.30, do your thing. You work all day and usually you're all, you're done with the day by 10 PM and it's five, it's six days a week, five and a half days. So you work a half day on, on Saturday and then you have the rest of Saturday and then Sunday off. And then Monday is, you know, 5 AM here we go. Let's get it on. and if you're an instructor, you're actually showing up earlier and staying later than, than the students until all like everything is met because you're, you're, you're basically deployed. You were, you know, it's Camp Atterbury, Indiana. Not a whole lot out there. There's a Walmart and, and a couple other things. But, uh, you know, because my ex-wife didn't want me to deploy, I actually ended up being gone longer teaching sniper school than I would have if I was in a platoon doing a workup and then doing a six-month deployment, which is weird how that worked out. But that's how it worked
1: out. It's so, like, I'm thinking back to the, you know, I, I it's funny because I I, I was kind of like you, like, I, I had no aspirations in the Navy, right, I had no, I mean, I had no aspirations in the military, um, but, you know, I dropped out of high school and I went to an alternate school to finish my diploma, and as soon as I got into that alternate school, my mom, unbeknownst to me, was on the phone almost weekly with the Navy recruiter who was like two doors down from my alternate school. So by the time, and who also coincidentally was an operations specialist. Um, so by the time I finally agreed to my mom, I was like, I was like, fine, If it will get you to shut up. I will go talk to this Navy recruiter. This guy knew my life story. And I mean, he, he filled my head with, with everything he was talking about, you know, the, The frogman of days gone, right? You're talking about Marchenko, who I know has a sordid history. We'll put it that way. We've got, he was talking to me about, you know, Jesse Ventura, because at that time I was a wrestling fan and all these other seals and everything that just, I mean, just amazing, amazing feats. But it's interesting because you just heard about him and you were like, that's it. That's what I want to do. Yeah. It, it, were there anybody and, and, you know, we all have people in our in our careers, especially in the military that really molded us into who we were during our time in the military. With me, it was Senior Chief Maxwell. I've brought up on this podcast many times before. Um, is there one person specifically that stands out in your military career that really kind of molded you into, you know, what you went on to do and what you became?
0: I don't think there's one person for sure. I think. um definitely not one person there's uh, a, a an assortment of people you know one of the people I would say is is Dave Johnston the guy who did start sniper school and and one of the things that I thought was really interesting about him is we're running the program that he started and he would come back in and say should we be doing that and my question is to him was like why did you put it in here if you don't think we should be doing it now well i you know He was of the mindset of continuing to evolve, continue. Like, is this like necessary or not? Do we need to, how can we make guys better? Can we do it faster? Can we be more efficient with our time, with the skills that we're teaching? What do we need to add? What do we need to take away? And he was always like challenging the course, his own course and saying, do we need that? Or can we change that? Do we need to do those standards make sense? Do we need to change the standard? What, what do we need to do to make this better? And the fact that he just continued to do that over and over and over and never, like, he had no ego in it. He was just like, I want to make the best sniper students that we can. And, and it was interesting, like, as instructors under him, we would be defending curriculum that he put in place. And then, you know, it, it became the very healthy dialogue of, you know, what the value is and how we ever used this particular skill set in the teams in the platoons doing sniper work or anything like that and then or is it like just some sort of legacy thing that made sense at the time does it make sense anymore
1: and that's probably a good spot to to start to transition us us into the the business aspect and everything you've done after SEAL training because or SEALs um what you said is incredibly impactful right even though it was his curriculum even though it was his program he never stopped thinking about how it can be better right no matter what it was if he saw an opportunity for advancement if he saw an opportunity to make things better he was pushing you guys and that's that is so incredibly important because he's also getting the input from the people that are in his you know to translate into business his in his employee and he just wanted to make sure because i mean the stakes are a little higher there right maybe a lot higher than they are in the business sector because you're talking about guys that are literally keeping the teams alive that are out there worrying you know providing the overwatch providing and even in some paces going in before the the main platoon comes in so it's important to understand for the viewers out there for the listeners out there that like take these lessons that you're going to learn here today that seniors talking about from training to his time in the teams to his time as a sniper instructor like always improve and input and elicit the responses from your guys, because these are the ones that are out there on the front lines that are customer facing. So they know. And it was so awesome that like you were kind of giving him pushback about his own program. And he was like, no, we got to, we got to keep improving. We got to keep improving. That's, that's amazing. Um, all right. So I'm going to hit you with one more hard question. Then we're going to transition straight into naked warrior. We're going to talk about everything. Um, is there, and if you're not comfortable talking about it, that's fine. But is there one moment in your time with the teams, not as an instructor, but in your time with the teams, that stands out as the most impactful?
0: Uh, yeah, I think when I, similar to what I was just saying, but you know, as uh, in the in the SEAL teams, you're surrounded by just everyone has an alpha personality. And I don't mean alpha is as an asshole. Alpha is as in like, get shit done. Um, and holding each other accountable. And so I remember, um, I was going down a road and I probably am going to adjust shift off that road, but uh, I think, you know, re- really, the, one of the things that, that I think about, and I, and I actually talk about quite a lot today is, is like impactful stuff is I was in charge of guys that I was like, <laughs> I have no business being in charge of you. I had a guy who was a a doctor and he came in as a regular enlisted guy. I had a guy that was, he worked for NASA as a rocket scientist and he came in as a junior enlisted guy. They just wanted to serve their country in the capacity that they could in the SEAL teams. And now they're working for me and I have a public high school diploma, AKA a PhD. And so, and they're like turning to me and asking me how to do stuff. And then I would be, you know, we would have, you know, problems, and I would have, I would not know the answer. And so, when I became brave enough to ask my own guys, hey, how would you guys solve this problem? As a leader, when I became brave enough to ask for help from the guys that are working for me, that became like a game changer in my leadership, hands down, asking for help. Most people, most leaders, their ego gets in the way, and they're not they're fake it till you make it or whatever ask for help it doesn't like don't let get put your ego out of the way aside and say what how would you guys solve this what do you think and it's okay to say i have no idea or you don't even have to say i don't like i have an idea about how to do this i want to know what you guys think about it and then get that feedback and then come up with a good plan to execute whatever the the objective is
1: it's it's perfect it's the perfect lesson yeah, i mean it really really is and especially in your community you have to, right? So, so many people are, are out there today, especially, and I find this more, you know, civilian than I do prior military, but you just, if you don't know, ask, right? Yeah. Because in our line of work, and again, much more you than the operation specialist standpoint, good Lord. Um, but you had plenty of people telling you what to do. So damn many, um, but you know, in the military if you don't ask and you go to do something that you're not completely confident in that's when bad shit happens and and that's that that could be whether you're in the teams in the desert or you're on a ship in the middle of the atlantic ocean and you're just you know hauling a line and getting ready to do an unwrap at sea like it just you have to ask if you don't know ask and it doesn't matter what level you're at so i appreciate you dropping that lesson um so, yeah, and it's it's so amazing that you sit there and you talk about how, you know, you have your high school diploma or whatever, and you're in charge of people with PhDs who came in as enlisted, which is, you know, to me, mind boggling, because in, in my area of the Navy, that would be like coming in damn near of, you know, oh, three, oh, four. Right. So it's it's an amazing thing to hear that, like, just there's so many people out there that just didn't care about what they were coming in as they just wanted to serve. They just wanted to go and do everything that they could. And that's amazing. Um, You know, I I think of, uh, there's uh, news about a SEAL. A year or two ago, I'm I'm sure you've heard of him. The guy, not only was he an MD, but he ended up going to, I know he was also a pilot in the Navy. He also went through SEALs. He was in the teams and then he ended up becoming an astronaut. Um, See if I can remember his name. I know.
0: I know who you're talking about. It's, uh, it's Kim or Lee or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so so, the, look- so he's, the, he's the third astronaut from the SEAL teams. I don't oh, know really? that kid. Um, yeah, so I've actually worked with two of the other uh, astronauts. The first one was Bill Shepherd. Uh, He was a SEAL, became an astronaut. The second one was uh, his last name is Cassidy. I'm blanking on his first name. Uh, and I was actually with him in Afghanistan in 2003 when he received orders uh, to be accepted to the astronaut program.
1: Like, you know, wrapping your head around that, like already you guys know that you are the top 1% of the 1%. You went through the hardest training on earth. You're out there in the teams kicking ass. Like, can you imagine, like, I know my ego. If I was wearing the Trident and I was deploying with the teams and then on deployment, you said you got orders to go to become an astronaut. I, I'm sorry. You think my ego is big now. I would just be like, I'm also an astronaut now too. Like it's, it's amazing what people are capable of, but all right, let's, let's transition. And, well,
0: it, let, let, let me address that really quickly. So the great thing about being in the SEAL teams is you, you can raise your ego to that level, but there's <laughs> going to be 150 dudes that are going to knock you right back down. Like you're not that special. <laughs> I love You're it. regular.
1: Love it. Yeah, you know, like I say, you know, we touched on on some of the, you know, seals who have really, you know, outside of those in the Navy, like you know, everybody knows Marchenko, everybody knows Jesse Ventura, everybody knows, uh, you know, a few others. Um. It's it's so interesting because the the I don't want to say the loud and proud seals because you guys are all proud. You should be proud, but like Ventura is a whole different breed right he he wears that trident with so much bravado i think with my luck i'll end up getting an email from him telling me to kiss his ass kick his ass or whatever uh, but it's it's so intriguing so you said everybody brings you down do you think that's why you don't see as many people on that same level of of bravado as as ventura and i, and I love jesse ventura I, I think he's hysterical and i'm a wrestling fan so he automatically gets the approval in my book um But, you know, what do you think it is? Is it that 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 humbling that like, you know, there's 150 that will sit there and be like, yeah, you're not as bad as you think. Let's get back to work.
0: Yeah, well, I think um, one of the things that they do in the SEAL teams and special operations is they tell you, do not talk about the nature of your work. And so that really came out when some of the books kind of early on after bin Laden was killed came out, Um, you know, the first book was i think it was no easy day uh the guy that wrote that i don't i i i don't think i can say his name i'm not sure i don't know anymore i've you know, i'm out of the loop but it All right, so well, was
1: we, we both know who you're talking about oh
0: uh, so so the guy that wrote that book who did not i mean maybe he shot bin laden's dead body um you know he didn't have permission you can write as many books as you want you just gotta get permission and like make sure there's no operational security things in there and he didn't he just went went to like a a copywriter they or a, a ghostwriter they wrote a, like a cool story he was a good storyteller and then like published the book and then he made a bunch of money and then he got sued and so he was like all the all like all the profits like i'm not receiving the profits they're going to these nonprofits. and so and then so from that they're like don't talk about the book don't talk about the person don't whatever and I, I wouldn't talk about his name just for operational security purposes um, for whatever reason. Uh, I don't think there's a big deal about it now. There could be, but because um, I think his name is out there in the world. But, um, you know, they, they would like, they beat into us. Do not advertise the nature of your work. You don't need to tell people who you are, what you do or la la. And so I didn't. And then when I got out, that was actually a detriment to myself in trying to market myself. Like you couldn't Google me at all, like I didn't exist. Maybe I had a LinkedIn profile, but it didn't say anything, so you you couldn't really find anything about me. Now I'm much more easy to find because they're like, "Oh, you need to like market yourself." I didn't know what that meant. Like I'm like, I don't I don't do sales. I don't any I don't do any of that. I don't want to do sales. I don't want to do marketing. I don't want to do whatever. I've, I'm in a very different world now. they very different headspace. But uh, you know that's that's a lot of it. And so for a lot of us getting out telling people, and I'm working with a buddy of mine right now in one of the coaching programs that I'm a part of, like, tell more people about you. Like, tell them that you're a Navy SEAL. Yeah, you joined the Navy before you even know, knew what a Navy SEAL was. You're like, oh, yeah, I, like, I want to do something hard. I want to pay for school. So we, we actually went to, to BUDS together. We went to the same team together. We went to sniper school together. He eventually went off to train uh, and teach BUDS. Then he went to college, and at a, as a 30-year-old man, walked onto the football team. And played for three years <laughs> Wow! and uh, and he's like no one like what have i done what have, i'm like bro let me tell you about you and then he went off and he did like he did like personal training and he did real estate now he's also a hawaii fireman he lives over on the island of Kauai. now he's back in the teams uh like as a reservist and uh and he else he's got like a coaching business as well but um but you know we don't like talking about them. we don't We've we've been taught to not talk about it. We've been beaten into, don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, hey, this is who I am and this is what I do. This is yeah, what I did. I think, this is
1: what I'm doing now. And I think, Senior, that's, that's probably the best segue we can take into Naked Warrior. So I think with your permission, I think it's time to get naked. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So you got out. And for those of you that are still you know just wrapping your head around everything this guy has done 26 years in the teams whether it's in the teams operational as an instructor it is hell on your body now he got through it and everything but when you got out not only is it hell on your body but everything that you've seen everything that you've done mentally it for lack of a better term exhausts you right and it's it's unfathomable the stuff that you have seen the stuff that you have been through so you discovered CBD as a form of therapy, as a form of treatment, for everything that you did. Now, we know where you took that into starting naked warrior. what What was it about cbd? what was was there a defining moment when you started taking CBD that made you say, "I need to be there for my former operators. I need to be there for the spec war community, whether no matter what the branch is, that they can have the treatment they need to actually not just survive but thrive in the civilian sector." what What happened? How did you get into it?
0: So I got out and I had another company. Uh, I started another company. It was a a company to help organizations uh, navigate the military acquisition system. And there was a grind there that I did not really like doing. Um, I don't like, I didn't understand the rejection that I was getting because I I came in saying I'm a consultant. And uh, what I didn't know is there were uh, eight, thousand other consultants that came before me. And what they would do is they would take money, but not really give the value that they promised. They would maybe over, over promise than under deliver. I don't really know, but I hit brick wall after brick wall, after brick wall of these companies, like not wanting to uh, hire me or even talk to me after I said, they were like super interested in talking to me. And then I said consultant and they were like brick wall door shut. And so I, I still did all right in that world but I didn't like the, the kind of the, the name calling and some of the other stuff that was kind of going on there. So I just, I didn't like it. I was also kind of suffering from some baggage that I have and I call it baggage from, you know, some occupational stuff that I had going on and maybe some not so awesome relationship stuff that I had going on, you know, previous and currently at that time. And so what I was doing is pretty much just drinking myself to sleep at night which is not a super healthy thing to do. And it's certainly not a way to like get started for the next day. And so, um, while I was, I had heard about CBD while I was still in, but I still had a top secret clearance. I still, you know, you know, uh, was still active duty and I didn't try CBD until an hour after I retired an hour, a year after I retired, I was in Virginia. I was having lunch with a a former teammate of mine and I was like, Hey, you know what? I think this was 2019. I think I'm going to go try CBD. Uh, because maybe what you have here in Virginia is better than what we have in Hawaii. I have no idea. Like it it was like a brand new industry. I only knew that it could maybe help with uh, some stress, some anxiety, maybe help you sleep better. Uh, Maybe it's good for pain. I really didn't know, but I had heard enough people talk about it on podcasts. I'm like, I I should try it. And so uh, he was like, if you want CBD, I've actually got some at home because a company gave him a bunch of samples. And so I took a bottle And I tried it that night and maybe I was a little less pissed off the next day. Maybe I slept a little better. I don't really know. I didn't notice anything right away. But what I noticed over time of like the 30 days or so that you, you know, that 30 servings in a bottle is at the end of it, I was like, was there anything really there? And I didn't try it again. And then what I noticed is I started getting more anxious. I started being a little more pissed off. And what I kind of the analogy that I use is you know, water boils at 212 degrees. I was probably living my life at 210 degrees. So it didn't take much for me to hit that boiling point. And so what I, what I say that CBD did, it took me from like two, 210 to 205 to 200 to 195 to 190, maybe 185, got me out of that red zone, like that boiling point and put me into like more of an orange zone. So I had like a little bit better quality of life. I had more time to like, when these triggers would come in to actually like respond to them instead of react to them. I could address them instead of just like blah and so uh it it gave me you know it just improved the quality of my life and then i you know i stopped taking it and i started getting closer to that boiling point i was like well maybe it was maybe it was cbd maybe it was something else placebo who knows uh and so i tried a different brand i had similar results now i'm like interested in the cbd industry and i'm like oh this is uh and you know maybe this is a pivot for me for my for my business like selling a product versus a service that i'd quite honestly, I didn't really believe in a hundred percent. I wasn't really sure how I was doing it. I could go back now and do much better than I did back then because I've got four years of sales and lessons learned and, and, and coaching and and consulting and, and things like that, but, uh, under my belt, but, um, so I, I tried it. I had similar results the second time I took CBD. And so I'm like, I, I need to get into this industry. And so I was at a business conference. I met someone in the CBD industry. And I was like, Hey, I like, really, I wanted her to like, hire me to like, teach me about CBD and all this other stuff. And she was like, I don't have time for you. Why don't you just start your own CBD company? And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And she said, you are a Navy SEAL. You can figure it out. And so I asked her for my man card back and she gave me my man card. I didn't, I've not given up again. And, uh, and, and so I just like Googled, how do you start a CBD company? And so I found out that the industry is incredibly dirty. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, create the highest quality CBD in the market. And so I went and found the highest quality suppliers that I could. As a matter of fact, the, 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 the links that we take now that we took back then for just to demonstrate quality is like was head and shoulders of the biggest names in the industry at the time or in the industry today. Now, many of those other companies that you may know by brand uh, they do the same QA that we do. So the suppliers that I, that I partnered with, the focus was on quality, not quantity. And so just like in the SEAL teams, we focus on the quality of the person. So I'm like, this is clearly who I should partner with here. And so that's what we, that's what we sell. We sell quality products. Um, so that, that was our focus and that's how we, shifted and and really got into the into the CBD industry so while I was there it was really to like kind of make money and then you know I have business coaches and they're like what is your why what's your purpose why are you doing this like there needs to be a story behind the story and I was like well it's not to make money I mean it is but at the end of the day but so I looked at myself I looked at where I came from I'm a veteran And I saw the statistic of 22 veterans take their lives every single day. And so I was like, maybe this can help them. I mean, I know that it helped me. Maybe this thing can help other veterans. So our mission at Naked Way Recovery is 22 to zero. And oh, by the way, my dad was a veteran and he's also one of those 22. So that made it even more personal to me. And so CBD is very difficult to market because it's an illicit product, according to Facebook and Instagram, but, um, and Google and every other engine out there. But, uh, you know, we're, we're making it work by, you know, getting on shows like this, telling our story, uh, telling my story and like CBD helped me. I'm not saying that it will or won't help you, but if you're going to try CBD, you should probably try a quality CBD. And I'm happy to, Tell you companies that are quality and companies that are not.
1: <laughs> well, I I mean, um, you know, the first thing, the first thing I want to say is, you know, you, the twenty two to zero, I think is, is a fantastic goal to shoot for. I, I think it's an incredible meaning the fact that your father was one of those twenty two. I I don't think, and if I'm overstepping, you know, please tell me. But no, you're good. You you go anywhere you want. I I, I think that, you know, your dad is probably, you know, whether you're spiritual or not, because I'm not, um, but beaming at what you have done, not only going from, you know, into the SEALs and all your time in the team to doing this and literally devoting your life to it. It's, the world needs more, you know, and I, I helped chair. I basically rebuilt the Pennsylvania Veterans Caucus Um, I was one of the founding rebuilding members because we started when we walked into a room at one of the state committee meetings and there were like four of us and it was in shambles. So we rebuilt it up and we did it with, you know, veterans in mind, because we understand that that 22 is one of the worst statistics in the country, right? It's one of the worst things because anybody, and and me and you, we've lost plenty of people during our time serving and we're fortunate enough to be here. Um, So hearing that you're doing it and you're so committed to the quality is amazing. It's amazing because there's so many people that I know personally that have suffered horrifically after they got out because the care wasn't there or the care was there, but they couldn't have access to it because of where they were, whether it's location, whether it's finances, everything. So it's awesome, and I mean absolutely awesome that you're out there doing everything you possibly can. And I think it speaks also volumes about you because you know, looking at your background, you've got, again, the trident, your anchor, all the other stuff in your background. I see the paddle behind you, but the most prominent thing is over your right shoulder on the NW recovery board. And that speaks volumes because everything you did is amazing, but that's your passion right there. That's where your heart is at. That's where your mind is at. And that needs to absolutely get as much exposure as it possibly can get. And I am so fucking proud to have you on this podcast. I'm proud to be able yeah, to say you. that we're shipmates. You know, anybody in the Navy knows you call somebody a shipmate, you're calling them an asshole. Um, <laughs> right. I'll never, way I, I way love get it. In the face. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah
1: exactly. I'll, I'll never forget, uh, you know, start closing this up on a little bit of a funny story. Um, we, so we, we go through boot camp we run battle stations and you know we had three rdcs we had a, a chief a first class and a second class and it was you know chief was neutral first class was the good guy second class was the asshole and it, we get through battle stations we come in all the rdcs are like you guys you, know, you guys did it you made it through a few people got dropped uh but you know you guys did it you're sailors now this is great look forward to graduation and uh <clears throat> the second class said Or the first class said, if you guys see me out in the fleet, you let me know. I'll be proud to serve with you. I'm like, all right, yeah, cool, whatever. You're never going to see us. Uh, And the second class goes, I swear to God, if any of you come up to me in the fleet, I will act like I don't know you. And my buddy stands (laughs) up and he goes, Roger that shit, mate. Fuck you, too. (laughs) And I'll never forget it. The whole room goes silent. We were just like, oh, this isn't going to be pretty. And he goes, I can't do shit to you now. You graduated. I was like, oh, there we go. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, it, it's amazing what some of the people out there can do. You you included with the CBD stuff, with NW Recovery. <clears throat> um, I, I have to ask, at, at what point did you become an avocado aficionado?
0: Ah, <laughs> you're talking to Brenda. I actually oh. have an avocado tree uh, right there, right over there.
1: I, so I I talked to Brenda last week and I I literally jumped off a call to go into our power outage call. And I said, I said, I'm recording with Will. And she, she goes, you have to say he's an avocado aficionado. And I was like, all right. I was like, well, if if anybody is more in tune to the SEAL community, that hasn't been a SEAL, it's Brenda, right? Like she, the work that she has done has been amazing amazing so when she said it i was like oh i've got to do it plus you're, you're in hawaii i'm in pennsylvania you can't get to me <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm i'm actually flying to tampa tomorrow so
1: oh yeah you're doing a lot event, closer. Right?
0: yeah yeah i'm speaking at stacy's event
1: I'm, I'm gonna be on stage with stacy in november because i'm doing an event in hershey in october then i'm doing an event with stacy in november i'm like all over the place
0: um yeah i've got I've got quite the trip coming up so i'm coming I'm, I'm flying to Tampa and then i'm flying to, to Meridian to see my grandmother. she's not doing well Then I'm gonna go from there to uh, uh, Wyoming to climb Grand Teton and do like a, a men's uh, retreat so i do i also do coaching I do business coaching leadership coaching um and I coach for some other organizations as well as you know the same same organizations that you're a part of um, and um So and then I'm going to go from there to to Dallas for the flying Friday. And then I'll fly home. (laughs) I got I got like 11 airplane flights coming up in the next 10 days, maybe more.
1: It's crazy, But, but you know what? The cool thing is, is like you and I love what we do so much and we're so committed to just like it's that coaching mindset, right? Like really all we want to do is help as many people as we possibly can to to whatever the detriment is to ourselves, right like the the jet lag that you're about to experience i, I can't even fathom <laughs> I, I can't like like my speaking engagements are like stacked like i try to do like one or two a month so i don't get, get burned right. out. like a i got 11 flights in 10 days let's go so yeah so it's awesome well let me let me ask senior what what's next where where do you want to take naked warrior what's what's the next uh what's the next summit
0: So keep, you know, keep growing Naked Warrior, um, to get as, get to as many people as possible, you know, veterans, first responders, soccer moms, everyone has, everyone has stress, anxiety, pain, whatever. CBD is a modality that can help. It's not, it's like, this is not medical, uh, like a a medical recommendation or, or anything like that, but CBD can help, um, and, and really like grow that company so that it is the, name that you think of when you think about stress anxiety cbd recovery uh and and ways of you know getting the word out is doing podcasts getting on stage you know presenting the get naked mindset and we didn't really cover what that means but so naked is also you know i talked about like taking that ego off taking that baggage off that you carry around so you can find the healing that you need you know kind of expose yourself become vulnerable but it also stands you know this is a, a keynote that i give it stands for uh, it's like the way to, to kind of think about your life. Uh, and so the N stands for never quit. The A is accept failure. The K is to kill mediocrity. The E is exposure your fears. And D is do the work. And if you want to get a copy of what that really means and what never quit means and how to never quit and accept failure and kill mediocrity and all those things, you go to the website five, sealsecrets.com, the number five, sealsecrets.com, and uh, put your name and email in there. I will email you directly from my email account. Um, it's automated. But it goes directly to you from my email account to you it's uh it'll be a pdf about eight pages uh breaking it down some cool pictures that a buddy of mine took while he was in the teams uh, i went to budge with him his name is derek mcburnett um and uh and it's so you can really see what get naked is all about and then and again this is a presentation i give from stage and it provides you know I believe it provides great impact and great value. And, and, you know, it is the, the basis of most of the coaching that I do. And I'm teaching, uh, you know, leadership or or business coaching to the companies or individuals.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. And listen, anybody that's out there, you guys have got to get on this. Absolutely. Five seal I've checked the website out. Obviously I've had all my guests and I no no issue with, with senior chief here, because I knew we both stand for the same stuff. We both in the same branch, definitely two different worlds, but um, senior, thank you seriously from the bottom of my heart for being on today, because I know that I have a very heavy veteran listening base. Um, If if you actually, if you go back to, there's a three, a three part episode or a three part series that I did with uh, a buddy of mine. that got this, his name's Jose Garcia. He, uh, he was a bosun's mate. And he got to our ship. We were a dry dock in uh, Virginia. And he he got to our ship and another bosun's mate who had some very, very serious mental health issues. Um, Within two hours of Jose being on the ship, he attacked him on the mess decks, almost killed him, stabbed him like, I I mean, multiple, multiple times. Uh, He ended up going to Leavenworth for a long time. All right, So that was this guy's introduction to Navy. He went from a school to that day reporting on board. His life was almost taken. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. like I, I looking back, like some of my favorite guests have been, you know, navy Navy guys. So um I, I really do appreciate it, and I hope that every single listener goes to your website. Everybody reaches out. Everybody follows what you do because it is an incredible, incredible story. So, please, whenever you want on, whenever you need an audience, there's a spot for you. I appreciate it. Senior. If there's any, how can people follow you? How, uh, you know, just if anybody, Uh, let's
0: see, I'm, I'm mostly active on, on Instagram, although I've been kind of not great lately. Uh, but my Instagram is, uh, at naked word recovery or at William.r.branham. Uh, either way I've got a Facebook account, I've got LinkedIn, I've got a TikTok even. Um, so I'm, I'm out there. Uh, pretty easy to Google. I think if you Google me, um, And yeah, or you can, you know, go to Five Seal Secrets or nw-recovery.com for CBD stuff. Either way, you can get a hold of me uh, through any one of those links that are in there. I answer all the email.
1: Awesome. Awesome. All right, Shipmate, it is a pleasure. I'm going to stop recording now. I will see everybody next week.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on Slaying the Sale. If you're interested in knowing more about Kyle, make sure you head over to his website, theslaymakermethod.com and pick up a copy of his best-selling books. Then, head to Facebook to join his private group, Slaymaker Sales Mastery, to become the number one salesperson in your company. And until next time, remember to keep slaying the sale.